Hey, listener, do you like 80s macho action movies? Well, then you're going to love Brian Bosworth as Alabama man. Alabama man. He's blonde. He's buff. He's handsome. Take him to the biker bar where he kicks ass, looks bitching in stonewashed jeans with feathered hair. Alabama man. He bangs hot chicks and feeds his lizard. He rides his hog and blows stuff up. Alabama man. That's right. Tonight. We're talking about 1991's Stone Cold. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome and thank you for joining us on this week's episode of Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We are the number one bad movie and good beer podcast as rated by Joe Rogan fans and the Brotherhood. Hi, <laughs> Chumpzilla. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's... Is that Venn diagram just a circle or? I mean, I'm not, I wasn't going to say it, but regardless, I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting tonight as we kick off our hops and B-list action flop series by talking about the first in a pair of action movies starring a former professional athlete. That's right. First up, we have Brian the Boz Bosworth's acting debut in Stone Cold. Joining me on the episode tonight is our resident assless chap expert, Captain Cash. You want a good chap to cover the thigh, but the front of the thigh and hint at what is behind, but not reveal too much. It still needs to cover the front of the thigh. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Also, all chaps are assless. That's what makes them chaps. Right. I mean, I, I always feel like that's the joke, but I stick with it regardless. And as always, we have our mullet enthusiast and boss super fan, the Thunderous Wizard. Imagine the future chains, because you're not in it. Oh. <laughs> like, it's not a bad line, but it's just not very good delivery, is it? Uh, well, I mean, this whole movie's like, it's, well, it's not terrible, but... I will suffer good. no slander about Stone Cold. This is legitimately the best movie about a mulleted cop on suspension hired by the FBI to infiltrate a biker gang in Alabama ever made. The end, period, end of story. I feel like I that's a lot of exceptions made just to rule out time cop. I mean, isn't there one with Charlie Sheen as an undercover fed in a biker gang? I, I recall that one being terrible. So The Wraith. I believe that's The Wraith. No, it's not. That's, that's where he's the ghost. It's actually just called Car- We Follow Car- Charlie guy. Sheen on a three-week vacation where all he does is <laughs> sleep with women and do blow. This is, so this is, less, this is less a movie and more We Follow Charlie Sheen. It's the, it's the original like reality television. It's just this is Charlie Sheen's life and for three weeks, and we cut it down into you know, a manageable 90 minutes. Winning. As always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. 
You can download us anywhere the finest podcast can be found. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment at Wobam ENT on Twitter and Instagram for all your pop culture content needs. And gentlemen, that does bring us to beer. And Stone Cold is a serious movie and it demands a very serious beer. That's why we're drinking Ice House tonight. It's the worst of the Miller Coors family of brews. It's unrefined and reasonably boozy. It's a beer. Much like this film, unrefined, reasonably Mm -hmm. boozy. Mm -hmm. And it kind of tastes like a beer. And it does check in at an ABV of 5.5%. But it feels like it hits harder than that, just like the Boz. It's gross. It's offensive. It makes you feel like you're rocking a mullet. So it's the perfect beer for a movie like this. Um, so I'm going to give it just one bad movie though, because it does taste like a headache. So cheers. Yeah. Ice house tastes like what I would imagine William Forsyth's sweaty hair smells like throughout Ooh. this film. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, and he plays an excellent scuzzy biker. It is. It's a great performance. Uh, he's gonna, uh, he's going to be on our pod next week too, as a bad guy again. Um, are, are we, are we like, are we, are we doing Dick Tracy? No, but I did want to talk about how literally throughout oh. the early to mid nineties, he was just sneering henchman guy, generic bad guy. And he's great at it. Yeah. Like, he was, good he, for was him. Flat, uh, he was flat top. And flat Tracy. top. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Listen, at a certain cool. point, it can be typecasting, but you are getting regular work. So maybe it's not that bad a deal. No, I, I think he was down. He's a great bad guy, too. I think he's all for it. You know? he's, it's right there in his wheelhouse. It he's it would great appear. in this, and he's also great in Firestorm, which is not a great movie. But we'll talk no. about that next week. I just uh, feel no, like we missed a it's, tremendous it's, it's, opportunity in not doing some kind of stone brewing beer. They've got to have a stone cold of some kind. You know, I've done some of those before, so I kind of felt like I, yeah, I, uh, I kind of burnt those up. I, I should have done better with that. But yeah, I, yeah, fair. I, I, I have to admit, though, for this movie to be a Brian Bosworth vehicle, he really gets outshined by both uh, Lance Hendrickson and uh, I mean William Forsyth. Like the bad guys steal the show hardcore. Yeah, he's a physical presence. I'll give you that, and the option for insane mullet and like it's not a g-string like it's not a thong but it's definitely mankini breeze it's, it's a mankini yeah. yeah it's when when your first scene is you in you know bikini briefs you know it's you're making a statement technically but, his first scene is in the ashen wash jeans black cowboy boots and ludicrous leather jacket yeah, <laughs> no, yeah that's that fair duster. wow which is basically like a goofier ripoff of the opening scene of cobra it's like a lot less like disturbing because cobra opens with the supermarket shooter and they're like call cabretti and in this one it's like they got the girl with the headgear and it's like oh braces headgear call the pigs what do they call it brace face or sparkle mouth i don't yeah it it doesn't matter uh anyway so stone cold was definitely a mid-tier macho action movie with a budget of 25 million (coughs) dollars top tier i mean Uh, i I think you can see the money you see where this money was spent there's uh some great practical effect work in here 
No, absolutely. And absolutely. some yeah. bad some bad wigs on stuntmen for William Forsyth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, hey, and it's got a, a, like if we just indicated, it does have a handful of legitimate actors that help prop up the muscle-bound rookie star and Bosworth. Um, this was a serious attempt to cash in on Bosworth's short-lived on-field fame because Captain Cash, you might be shocked to find out, Brian Bosworth only played two years in the league. He was a big name coming out of college. There was a bunch of contract bullshit. He was kind of a professional wrestling heel, honestly. Uh, And that was his bigger role than ever actually being a football player in the NFL. To be fair, he had over 100 tackles his first two years. He was a top five pick, and his shoulders Mm -hmm. were basically shot to shit from a lifetime of football. He was a stud football player. Watch the 30 for 30, Brian and the Boz, which is sort of one of my recommendations, but I have another one, so. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, but this is this is after his uh, football career had basically ended, and he was just trying to cash in on his general fame. Um, and, and again, like you know, his image was a bad boy willing to butt heads with the powers to be. So this was certainly in his wheelhouse, uh, and uh, that made him very much the character that he portrayed, Stone Cold. Uh, the movie fared about as well as the boss's two-year NFL career. It only managed to pull in $9.1 million on that $25 million budget, and the critics weren't much kinder. It's got a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 42 on Metacritic. You know, I think it was generally correctly flagged for being a genre schlock B-action movie with decent production values, uh, so it doesn't look super cheap. The movie is rated R and it has an hour and 35 minute runtime. You can find it for free on YouTube. And I must say the version on YouTube is a decent transfer. It looks pretty good for being for free on YouTube. So I didn't actually look to see if I could get it anywhere else. I'm kind of curious. Can you buy this somewhere? It's not streaming, but here's what I did because I started it on YouTube and I remembered how much I loved it. I one clicked this motherfucker on Amazon on Blu-ray. <laughs> and made my brother-in-law watch it with me oh no and he's like i'm sorry he said that was badass i was like yeah you're right it was it was (laughs) badass honestly for genre schlock it's not that bad it could be way worse it could be way worse again i think uh you guys made an excellent point you definitely see the production value The, the budget money is on screen it is not hidden in the cast or money laundering this was a legit effort at an action movie and at least the boss actually rides a motorcycle like it's very clear he does a lot of these scenes not some of the most crazier stuff because there's some some high octane motorcycle stuff but you know the boss brings it man he's on that bike although that bike looks comically small when he rides it but allegedly that was his bike so whatever Uh, i'd say it is his bike because the bike has a flaming skull with a mullet on it Call that, that a uh, skullet. <laughs> yeah. That would yes. check out. But uh, anyway, Stone Cold was directed by Craig Baxley. It was his third film, and he'd previously been a stunt coordinator and a second unit director on The Warriors and The Predator, respectively. So, you know, he, he's, a, he's a genre uh, a veteran. But I mean, that a respectable a- pedigree. Those were both yeah. big hits. Huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. come on. This is probably his best work, but. 
close to it. Uh, My recommendation, I think, is probably his best work, but we'll get there. Um, It was written by Walter Doniger, who's best known for writing Western-style stuff going back as far as 1949. So people were shocked that he put out such a violent script. Like this is uh, this is a weird uh, note in his long Hollywood career. Well, little known uh, fact: Doniger was a Hell's Angel, and uh, well, uh, sure, and it, when he wasn't writing scripts, he was just you know going up and down the coast, cracking skulls. Yep, selling PCP, beating up cops. Honestly, I think P two P. P two P. That's right. Whatever, whatever, whatever <laughs> it that is. P two P. Yeah. In this movie. Um, I yeah, think I this is what happens when you let an old man who was only allowed to do like singing cowboy things through the 50s and 60s, like at the end of his career is like, we just want you to write the dirtiest thing possible. Just just go ham. It's yeah, like, he's just like, all right, man, I'm going to as possible. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. But yeah, so obviously this was a Boz vehicle. So it stars Brian Bosworth playing tough cop Joe Huff, aka John Stone. We've also got Lance Bishop Henriksen playing the deliciously evil biker gang leader Chains. Will Forsythe plays the scummy biker Ice. We also get Sam, the guy from Christmas Vacation McMurray, as FBI agent Lance. And Arabella Holzbog of Carnosaur 2 fame playing Chains' old lady Nancy because I guess biker chicks don't get nicknames. Her biker Whatever. chick nickname is Nilbog. Nilbog. <laughs> it's Nilbog backwards. And let's not forget, folks, we do get Richard Grant. That's the cop from the Big Lebowski and the fake Don King from Rocky Five is an FBI agent Cunningham. Touch me and I'll sue. Uh, my favorite piece of his filmography is when he's the coroner in Jason Goes to Hell and Jason's oh. eating heart possesses him and he just takes a giant bite out of it. Deep pull there and slightly disturbing. So IMDB describes this movie as follows. A tough Alabama cop is blackmailed by the FBI and going undercover in a violent Mississippi biker gang. All right. I mean, that's not that's not completely wrong, but I, you know, I feel like you're kind of glossing over some of the finer points here. But regardless, Captain Cash, what's your one liner? What if the film Easy Riders choice of drug was not weed, but instead methamphetamine? You get this movie. And that's. P2P, but fair enough. P2P, yep. I I would also go with Point Break, but on motorcycles this time. This this might have come come out before Point Break, though, I think, right? This was first. (laughs) Good for them. Just took a little bit of time to, you know, massage. Well, honestly, with this, you kind of get two different properties. You definitely get Point Break, but then you also kind of get Renegade with Lorenzo Lamas. Oh, yeah, I like it. Nothing wrong with the llamas. What do you got for us there, Thunderous Wizard? Okay. Lance Henrik's Sons of Anarchy. Get it? It's a plan. <laughs> yeah, 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 I know. I get it. See what I'm doing? I here? mean, it's not bad. <laughs> Much like the boss, I think the challenge is in your delivery, sir. Excellent writing. It's in the delivery. Yeah, pretty flat. It's okay. We'll workshop it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so uh, mine is 
not nearly as creative as, as those, but anyway, mullets, lizards, old ladies, bikers, and helicopters collide in this Gulf Coast set action masterpiece. Stone yeah. cold. Dude, his pet lizard is legit. So it's, I, it's, it's a large animal. It is a large animal. Does a monitor lizard make that sound? It sounds like they just 80 yards some pig noises. Uh, they they 80 yeah. a lot of stuff in this movie. And I would say including those lizard sounds. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say that would have to be true that that was not the sound that lizard makes. What do you got mm-hmm. under here, Stone? You got a dog? You got a squelchy. Really? Kind of sounded like Dave Foley's crotch. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Oh, no. Anyway. Oh, oh no. So let's talk about the plot of this movie. Um, it has one. The movie opens with a fantastic super 80s supermarket shootout scene. Suspended cop Joe Huff stumbles across an attempted robbery while picking up groceries for his pet lizard. He takes out the bad guys and gives some lip to the cops when they finally show up. It's so cool. Next, he's approached by some FBI agents to help them with their biker gang problem, whatever. He's got the most biker gang arrests in Alabama, so he's the expert. And they blackmail him to join their investigation so they can have him go undercover as John Stone and take down the Brotherhood from the inside before they can kill a judge or something. Okay. Anyway. uh, Most of this plot is fairly perfect. Although it's a little jarring when they go from the opening to the bald biker getting convicted of shooting the priest, which like happens out of nowhere. And then they kill the original judge. And it's like, wait a minute, what? And then that guy's not in the rest of the movie till the very end. They don't even really talk about wanting to break him out. It's very strange. Yeah. For the record, his name's trouble, uh, the biker. And it's, he's played by what, Billy millions. Trouble with a with a capital T trouble. Yeah, and it's he doesn't play a big role in the movie. It's it's just sort of like anyway, we'll get there. It comes up at the end. Yeah, it's not clear why he blew a priest out of a stained glass window. (laughs) Just did Uh, it amid a baptism, mind you. Yeah, I mean they're bad. They're bad guys. They do bad things. I mean, like I feel like in '91, killing a man of the cloth even though he is very clearly dressed as a priest performing a baptism on a baby, something Southern Baptist, which he has identified as do not do to children. I, I I'm saying it probably would have like felt a lot more taboo and terrible in 91. Uh, versus now. Yeah. I mean, this oh, he killed a man of the cloth. Oh, what the, he's the worst. I'll just say the moral code for this biker gang is ambiguous at best. So they're definitely Nazis, so there's that. Kind of, yeah. I mean, it would appear so. I mean, that's uh, probably the most. We'll they're get definitely to that. Nazis. <laughs> Who has the SS on his coat? Is it Ice? Uh, uh, like, I think uh, both of them. I think Ice yeah. and yeah. At Ice's funeral, they have the giant SS up there. I'm like, oh, Nazis. Got it. Cool, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, I don't they, feel bad about this. White, which, which is probably the most unrealistic part of this movie is the feds are after these guys. Usually they'd be supporting them. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, so anyway, whatever. Um, yeah, so our, our, our Brian Bosworth here is the best biker cop in Alabama. He's the expert. That's why the FBI wants him. They want him to take this biker gang down from the inside because they want to kill some judge or something, whatever. 
Uh, Joe feeds his lizard, bangs hot broads, and makes his nerdy germaphobic FBI partner extremely uncomfortable. Cue the laugh track. They really front load like the nudity in this thing. Like mm-hmm. in the first five minutes, they're like, how many boobs can we cram in here? I, I need like 20% more, 50% more boobs. Can we, can oh, we oh. have a, we need to have a scene set in a titty bar. Yeah, no. And this is a nineties movie, but it has such an eighties feel to it. This is still it, very much a hangover of the eighties. It's like very much. Yeah, so got, got to get those boobs in there. And from there, you know, John now endears himself to the gang and their charismatic leader, Chains, played by Lance Henriksen. And he manages to alienate the rightfully suspicious Ice, played by William Forsyth. And he, uh, you know, embeds himself in the Brotherhood's affairs. He tries to set them up via some bogus, via, that is, a bogus drug deal. But his plans fail when Chains alters the deal Joe slash John is exposed as a cop and it sets off a series of events that leads to a January 6th style assault on the Alabama or is it Mississippi state capital or something? I don't know. They want to crack the whip, which is they want to kill the judge and free their incarcerated gang member trouble, which is the guy we saw at the beginning of the movie. He comes back at the end. Uh, This is effectively the final showdown. There are motorcycles, machine guns, helicopters, and explosions. The end. So hear me out. That's the movie. Dude, that, that is entirely correct. But the level with which Joe Huff, a.k.a. Stone Cold, a.k.a. I'm Brian Stone. Bosworth, mm-hmm. murders gang members throughout this is, with impunity, Feels like, I don't know if I want to say shoddy police work necessarily, but enough that I'm like, wait a minute. You know, I mean, and, and we'll get to this because as I've indicated, there's, there's some interesting aspects to the whole morality of the gang and, and are they Nazis? And yada, they're yada, definitely yada. Nazis, to be I clear. Don't, I don't think it's ambiguous at all that they're Nazis. Yeah. Well, the, the movie doesn't go out of its way to make that clear, although it does. Like it's, it doesn't address it. It doesn't address it. The um, only one who seems to be confused about how evil there are is Chains' old lady, who's like, we don't do that. And it's like, eh, I'm pretty sure they've been doing uh, that yeah, the whole she, movie. Yeah. So <laughs> I think they've been shooting people the whole movie. So No, no. It, yeah, it's... It, it's something it's something and 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 just the whole yeah their whole i mean it's clearly a white supremacist gang at the very least i'm i'm confused as how we didn't bring up the fact that we're introduced to ice for the second time when he's having target practice with a can of beer and the guy from terminator 2 the guy that he uh i need you close your boots and your motorcycle that he throws onto the grill at the bar yeah, shoots him with like a regular pistol and he pulls out like a semi-automatic pistol and just starts spray, spraying bullets everywhere. Well, and, and they go out of the way in the movie to make a point when Bosworth offers Chains a uh, bulletproof vest. What's government issue? And, you know, like, hey, where'd you get that? And Bosworth goes, half your guys' pistols are all government issue. So it's clear that they're in with the, the, the army. 
like they have like support of like they have certain aspects of yeah. the government, which again is is troubles in yes, yes, white supremacy is baked into the system. Like the, the movie does raise some interesting points. It doesn't address them, but it, it, it raises them. So brings it up, doesn't do anything with it, but it's like hey, some of those that maybe. burn crosses are, are those that wear badges. But this whatever. movie was way ahead of its time. It had the finger yes. <laughs> on the pulse of a lot of hot button issues. Uh Let's just say, you know, ICE would have been leading the charge on January 6th. That's pretty clear. I, I'm just saying, you know, 20, 20 years later, ICE probably works for ICE is all I'm saying. Oh, there's a good chance of that. Actually, I don't know. Don't people that work for ICE have to wear shirts? <laughs> I, mean, I feel like they're, they're probably flexible on that, yeah. depending rarely, on where you're at. He, he at least shoes, I guess. Shirts, yeah, shoes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But right. anyway, so hey, let, let's give this movie our, our beer ratings here. Um, I'm going to give this a solid four fun beers. It's just enough 80s style Velveeta to tickle that part of your action movie brain. And Lance Hendrickson steals the show as the deranged chains. Uh, and, and as we've said, Will Forsythe is pretty solid as well. So I'm going to give this movie a solid four fun beers. 100%. Uh I, I mean, I don't really need to drink to watch this. I love this movie, but yeah, three to four fun beers. It's very fast movie. It gets to utterly insane. You know, as you it does. talk about the plot, they're storming a state capital and there's helicopters. With the helicopter. Like it's, it just, it's, it's and, bonkers. And the other good part is like, they can't fake that. They really threw a helicopter like yeah. that. It's kind of nice. Yeah, you know, and I, I complain all the time about these movies that don't build the stakes and stuff doesn't like, you know, they don't ramp the action up. This movie just slams the gas pedal for the last 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. This goes from like it, fake drugs to like bar like, fights. And, okay, yeah. yeah. We're like, going to blow a whole bunch of shit up now. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, no, it's getting serious. Wow. All right. Uh, Captain Cash, what's your beer rating? Um, I'd, I'd probably call it five. Like, That's fair. It's this is not a good movie, um, but it is it does try really, really hard. You can't fault it for not going hard at its premise. I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, and I know this isn't going to make the Thunderous Wizard happy. It's just let down by Bosworth. He just doesn't have the charisma to carry the film. You, you yeah. could have given this to Arnold in 1985. And this would have made fifty million dollars. It's or it's Van Dam. Uh, I love maybe Van Dam. I love the, the boss. You really, yeah, you really need a bigger physical presence than that. Like, yeah, Van Dam is have a big guy, especially yeah. because of the you know when he gets in the biker pit and fights that guy. Like the guy he fights. I don't want to step on your trivia, so I won't bring it up just in case. No, I, I, I don't talk about that. All guy. right, so the guy he fights is Tom McGee. Tom McGee was a Canadian bodybuilder. He's fucking enormous. Yeah, and he's about 6'4". He was huge, and he was in the WWE. He goes about 6'4", 300 pounds. He feeds his baby shrimp scampi. He was in the WWE, and and Vince loved was so infatuated with his body that he was rumored to be the next Hulk Hogan because he had a match with Bret Hart, which is also I'll share it on social. It's going to be one of my recommendations that Bret Hart made him look so good. Apparently Vince like immediately said, that's the next world champion, but it turns out he couldn't really wrestle. He was just carried through a match by Bret Hart. Who's, you know, my opinion, the greatest wrestler of all time, but that's Tom McGee um, who was, yeah, he was a huge freaking guy. 
And yeah, uh, the, for the record, the Boz is six two, about two forty. Yeah, and you can tell. So he's Boz, not, which, which, which honestly though, that's the same stature we'd give Arnold. Yes, so he's, he's probably just as big it. as Arnold, and he definitely thinned out since his football days. Well, he got off the juice. He was yeah, and he was juicing and. Um, he was cl- the, the thing, the thing, I think, I think what we'll just I'll say it right now, uh, audience, if you guys aren't familiar with the boss, he was rumored to be, you know, on steroids, yada, yada, yada. When you see this movie, it would appear as though he's not on the juice. You he's know still why, a big dude, but he's not yoked out of his brain. You know, you know why the boss was cool and will always be cool? Because he was one of the first dudes to wear a T-shirt basically talking about how the NCAA just used and abused these poor bastards and made billions of dollars off their backs. Yeah. And he was hated for it at the time, but we're still going through the same shit today because colleges make tons of money off these kids and they don't get shit in return. And it's bullshit. Yep. Yeah. He was pissed because they wanted to, they, they tried to kick him out of the NCAA before he could go pro. And he's like, you're, yeah, yada, yada. I mean, he's not the perfect spokesperson, but yeah, he called out the bullshit. But yeah, anyway, in this yeah. movie, though, he does not appear to be juiced to the gills. He, he has a, a human uh, physique, but he's still a big dude. It Definitely. looks good in his bikini briefs. Uh, he fills them out nicely. I, mm-hmm. This is what I want to talk about a little bit because I can't tell if he's a parody of himself and is aware of it. Yes. Or it's 1991. Did they go, you know what this needs? A big dyed blonde mullet, a lizard, mankini briefs, and a, a leather, black leather duster with mm. no shirt on under it. Like, mm. it's... But Stop, he plays it... Stop, get so erect. He plays it so completely straight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it... Like, I can't tell if it's... If it's a... It's like a, a, a self-aware completely straight or if he's just a bad... Like, it's really weird. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to blow your mind here before we go into the break. I think I will, because I know you're not a huge sports ball fan. But no, Brian Bosworth was incredibly self-aware to the point that when he would, as an NFL player, he was already basically a, a, a professional wrestling heel. Like He was, he was a fans. brand unto himself. Yeah, they hated him. So he would actually sell anti-Bosworth t-shirts at the visiting games. He would have his people out there selling like Bosworth sucks t-shirts for 15 bucks a pop at his away games. Because he knew people hated him. He knew exactly what he was doing. He, he the guy was, was just very self-aware and very yeah, aware of his own He brand. was way ahead of his time because he just was doing something that later athletes would like just replicate. Yeah. It's, you're creating yeah. a persona. Uh, I mean, he, he wrote a book with Rick Riley, like his first year in the league. He came to training camp in a freaking helicopter. He held out for like the biggest contract at the time because he had all this leverage because they knew if they didn't get the deal done, like – everything he did was a means to an end and yep. i think like he, in, he in milked retrospect, the shit out of it like he, he knew exactly this was his one shot and he maximized yeah, it i don't think he, he looks super fondly on the way he behaved also i mean now if if you know who he is he's the sheriff in in fanville in the dr pepper commercials like he's still around uh, great in those commercials yeah he was in the longest yard with adam sandler as one of the guards like he's still doing stuff and he's apparently a really great guy but he just saw the opportunity and totally capitalized on it yeah maybe i need to watch this again because like he he understood he was a living cartoon character he he knew what was up i'm not saying it makes him any better in this movie but yeah he he 
he was making choices. Like the confluence of all of those choices. He had to know how ridiculous, like, did he know how ridiculous that, like, it feels like, mm-hmm. especially as you describe him, he knew. Oh, but yeah. like, oh there were all, no like, merchandising. Did, they sold wigs like that. Am I just yeah. missing the joke? No, no. I think, I think this is the, the pinnacle of the joke. This is, this is it. He, he made a movie with well, his character. And that's, he, thing, that's the thing. Like, and by this point, he played he, the character to the point of it started yeah. an action movie with a $25 million budget. I mean, that's he, kind of the pinnacle of his shtick. He just about jumped the shark by this point with the shtick, especially because he yeah. made no money, right? Like, well, and, is, his, and his football career was already over. Like, that's the thing. His shoulders were shot, yeah. as Tito said. Think about uh, Ronda Rousey, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she, she did this, oh, I'm the baddest bitch on the planet. Da 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 da. And she milked that for all it was worth until people realized. Oh, you're kind of a fraud. Like, not to say she wasn't a good fighter, but she wasn't the best fighter. And then all of a sudden, all the deals started dry, drying up. And what did she do? She had to go to pro wrestling because it's the only place that believes in circus fairy tales. Because everybody knew, like, so by this point, you know, the Baj stick, it was gone. If he would have done this in 89 or when he was still playing and everybody thought he was a stud, probably makes like 50 or 60 million dollars. <laughs> anyway, so let's talk about this when we get back from, from the break here. Um uh, you know, so we've covered the plot and our beer ratings. And before we get into any more general impressions of the movie or the boss, let's take a break here and hear a message from our fellow big lizard enthusiasts over at the Hot Nation USA podcast. We'll see you on the flip side. Hey, everyone, this is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hot Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wobam Entertainment. We're still talking about Stone Cold. And I've got some questions for the panel to go along with our general impressions of the film. I think we kind of led into this before the break here, but uh, I know the Thunderous Wizard and I are very well aware of this, but just for your knowledge, Captain Cash, you know, the boss's professional career was effectively ended when he was run over by Bo Jackson at the goal line. The boss played for the Seattle Seahawks. He had bragged before the game against the Raiders that he was going to contain Bo Jackson, who might be the greatest athlete of our lifetime. Like that was just physically unbelievable, not only as a football player, but as a baseball player. But regardless, Bo Jackson trucked the boss at the goal line and drug his corpse across the goal line for a touchdown. And that pretty much ended his his career. Like he lost, uh, not literally, but figuratively. I mean, that's when the magic was gone. He, he, he was no longer a supervillain at that point. He, he had a weakness, you know, Bo Jackson exposed him. So it was, uh, it was an interesting moment in sports history there. It's not often you see a guy just get humbled on the field and just kind of evaporated a good part of his persona. I mean, is that a fair assessment there, T-Dubs? I mean, it's certainly at credited with it, like being the end, like the, the shattering of the aura now. I mean, I guess nobody at the time understood the extent of, how bad his shoulders were. I guess they were like the shoulders of like a 75 year old man. That's what the doctors say. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, it was like when Mike Tyson got knocked out by Buster Douglas, although to a much smaller degree, because Mike Tyson was seemingly invincible. Oh yeah, at that yeah, point, yeah. Mike, Mike Tyson was a way bigger deal than Bosworth. Bosworth was same sort of nowhere. Thing, like they but, yeah, met but, but, head up, but, but, yeah. and he got destroyed. And that that was that. Yep, yeah, and that was that. Yeah, he he never. To 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 be honest, he never recovered. His his reputation never recovered. And honestly, his career was cut short, not because of that moment, but just in general. So. Athletic endeavors aside, uh, I had I was aware of this movie. I had not seen it before until we watched it for the pod. And thank you for that YouTube link, T Dubs. I guess this is mainly for you, Captain Cash. Were you surprised by the quality of this film? Because I yes. was expecting it to be way worse. Yes, uh, I had never heard of this film. I did not know who the boss was. I was immediately okay. aware of Lance Hendrickson. I was mm-hmm. not immediately aware of William Forsythe. Like I, I knew, like I, I recognized his, I know who William Forsyth is and I recognize his face. I did not realize that was him yeah, under yeah. the, under the wig and the beard and everything. Um, he plays and, a great biker. He really does. Yeah. And both of them did an amazing job lending a ton of like believability and gravitas to the whole thing. I wanted to hate this movie a little bit, but I can't. <laughs> Mm, yeah well you know what really cracked me up is you know i was reading like the the trivia crap about this movie uh apparently uh lance hendrickson uh wrote all of his own lines well i would see that yeah no that's fair that 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 guy i feel like he he realized what was happening when he was on set and he's like well i'm gonna at least look good here whatever else no one's gonna be able to say Lance didn't put in the work. And honestly, this becomes like his shtick for a few movies. Like he's the over the top bad guy and hard target. And he's also great in that. I I don't mean it as bad thing. I think it was great that he was like, I'm going to be as deliciously evil as possible here. And and he was, it was great. You have to imagine that's fun for an actor too. Uh, Right. Yeah. Played a bad guy for sure. And, and wow. I think that's t- to your point about like um, the boss kind of being a, a dud. This is a bit of a turn for him because he's usually the heel and being the quiet, tough, good guy was kind of a stretch for him. That wasn't his normal shtick. Yeah. It mm. almost would have been better if he could have been like a larger than life henchman, but. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that would have been more expected for the character, but here he was actually playing like the straight guy, good guy role, which I, I yeah, I don't think he was super comfortable with because I don't think he like he didn't quite have the uh that that in his repertoire yet. Um, you know, we don't give Henriksen enough credit because not only was he killed by the Terminator, the Predator, and an alien, he was also killed by the Boz and Van Dam. Wow. So that's yeah. a pretty padded resume. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I hate to say it, but I think he's definitely got that. Uh, that's, that's a one-up on Bill Paxton. So, way to go, Lance. That's going to be uh, on his tombstone. I, I think so. <laughs> I was killed by all the greats and the boss. <laughs> Aww. I think one of the things this movie lacks, I hate to say it, uh, but it does lack like a signature moment for the boss. Does any of his like action scenes or one-liners stick out to you guys? Because they don't for me. I feel like that's a big missed opportunity here. They don't, they don't give him like a signature like moment. He's just no, kind of in yeah. the movie. He gets a couple of like, you know, clean up on aisle four. He's got the line I said about that's, chains. 
Uh, the bike yep. chase with him and, and Ice is pretty sweet. A lot of the action in the Capitol is pretty sweet, too. But, yeah, he doesn't mm-hmm. really get. There, there's know. no pre mortem or post-mortem one-liners that you sort of would expect out of a, well, a role he, like He, he kind of has the he has the one. Is, doesn't he get the one with chains about not being in the future? Yeah, yeah. that's the one he gets. But, but, but yeah, but that's, to your point, though, Captain Cash, it doesn't stick super hard. It's not funny. It's delivered to be sort of badass. If there were like two to three funny, I'm going to kill you now, you know, like consider the divorce. Yeah. Well, Chains gets the best one. Let off some steam, Bennett. Because Chains gets the one, just like my daddy told me when he handed me the first gun. Careful. It's loaded. And then he just like starts shooting people. Yeah. Yeah. That's like the the line you'd expect from the hero, except it's like, oh, this is gross because he's just murdering innocent people. (laughs) Well, I mean, that God forgives, but the Brotherhood doesn't. Like, that's a a badass line, kind of. Yeah. The Brotherhood, you know, I'd rather be first. I'd rather be first in hell than last in heaven. Yeah. So, hey, how shocked were you guys when they killed uh, Nancy? Oh, she was a Nazi, so yeah. eh. sympathizer, Nazi but, but I thought that was a, I thought that was a great subversion of that trope of the final girl, like making it through, you know, turning and making it. Like she just gets straight up murdered. It's like, oh, damn! It actually like, adds a little bit more. It does gravity to to the film. Like, oh, the, it, it, okay, wait, yeah, up. no, she's dead because you because that was the happy ending. She's going to get out and she's going to get with the boss. She yeah. just gets straight up murdered. I'm like, yeah, no, that's how that kind of stuff happens. I mean, in my opinion, they should have murdered his lizard. And then that's when he decides to exact John Wick. <laughs> that's John, what John, he's got I've a, seen that movie. It's called John Wick. Yeah. yeah. It's called uh, Black Hammer and White Lightning. You missed the part <laughs> where they killed my boa constrictor and I vow revenge. You know, as this does not come up in the trivia, it's pretty funny. Apparently, um, you know, this movie started off with a different director. And I can't think of the guy's name now, but it doesn't matter. Uh, but they shot $4 million worth of backstory. Uh, See, you can, where, you can uh, tell there's stuff where, missing because of yeah. how quickly it transitions to the bald guy shooting the priest. Apparently, uh, you know, Joe Huff, you know, Boz's character is supposed to have a family. He, was supposed to, he wasn't supposed to be a playboy. He was supposed to be a family man. <laughs> Instead, he just wears leather <laughs> Leather banana hammocks and sleep with yeah. models. No, well, no family man has that haircut or wardrobe. Not leather, yeah. silk, silk banana so, hammocks. I'm that, sorry. That, is, that is a smooth and shiny bulge. Uh, yeah, so apparently he had like a more of a backstory. And I, I guess Boswell was kind of upset that they cut that and went to the more like straightforward action route. He he liked his character having a family and being having a family backstory. I mean, it's certainly I'm, I'm, I'm going to makes, assume like it was going to be a, a Punisher thing where his, his family got killed or something. It, it just whatever. makes the situation more precarious because going undercover then has a course Lance Henriksen would find out he has a family. Yeah, and then right. The stakes are that much higher because, uh, you know, he didn't really care about the Nazi woman. She I mean, screwed him over. He sort of did for a second. He wanted yeah. to save her. He's a nice guy. I, the I the movie definitely like, tells us that he cares, but yeah, the movie wants us to think he cares for a second. Also, I also think he's probably the worst candidate for an undercover cop because it's like that, I mean, that come guy. On. Like that you, guy. Like, like wouldn't who, everybody in town know Joe? Know Huff? him? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like you can't hide that guy because we're not talking about like going from LA to Chicago. We're going from Alabama to 
Mississippi. Mississippi. And he's so like off the wall. He looks like he should have been an extra in last action hero in the police yeah, station he, where like it, half the cops like a are cartoon character. leather. There's Humphrey Bogart. Yeah. There's the, the cartoon cat. So, you know, so I mean, I, I've got to ask, I guess I got, I got two questions. We've already kind of covered one, which is, was the love angle a burden in this movie? I think it was. I think it was unnecessary. Well, because it doesn't pay off at all. Well, although that, yeah. although it makes that it makes once you get shot, I guess, more shocking. Well, here's the, fact the thing. That they killers. It, it redeems it for me, because if she didn't die, then it's like, why would he fall in love with this woman? It is 1990. There are two actors. One is a man and one is a woman, and they are the ostensible leads. Yeah. They have to have a romantic relationship. It is Those are 1990s rules. Yeah. Now, did playbook. fridging her make a lot of sense? Eh, because yeah. I, I, at no point do I actually think Boz cares that much. Or I'm sorry, Joe Huff, whatever. John Stone. But, yeah, exactly. But it, it is shocking, though. I'll give it that. It is shocking. Because you don't expect that to happen in this movie. She's supposed to make it to the end, and she doesn't. Which, again, it makes the bad guy seem badder. I'm always there for that. But here's my bigger question, because we've hinted at this earlier. We've talked about some of the political implications this movie has in the present time. Does this movie hit different after the January 6th insurrection? Because the yeah. ending of this movie is pretty succession-y. An insurrectiony, like it's, it's like wow. Like I, I think I would have felt differently about this, you know, had I not known that kind of stuff could actually happen. It makes this movie seem less like ridiculous and more like holy shit, wow. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I didn't take that here because mm-hmm. these people were organized enough to have a helicopter. So what and you're like, saying is we're lucky. Yeah, say they these people had a clear goal decent leadership and had like and a plan that's not what happened with the january 6th insurrection so i feel less like you know it didn't quite register Oof, i don't know man it, this just made me be like oh jesus wow you know okay I, I, this 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 would have seemed unrealistic to me previously this has been like that's a fantastical plot people would never try to storm a capital and overthrow local government let alone the federal government that wouldn't happen not in america and now i'm like oh okay yeah no it's a that checks out it's a biker gang a bunch of guys a bunch of guys on speed you know with a helicopter because yeah. they've, so, they've got because they've got friends in the army because they've got friends on the inside the only thing missing is the scene with the senators from mississippi calling this legitimate political discourse like listen we don't know all the facts yet about about the biker maybe game. these guys are on to something yeah. yeah so what you're saying is what we needed on january 6 2020 was two to three brian bodsworths guarding the yes. capital and then it would have been fine a hundred percent if we had one brian bosworth you know you think it had done it yeah we need one joe huff you, you need two. You need, you need at least one to balance out Kevin Sorbo. Oh, dude, he would, he would snap Sorbo like a twig. Are you kidding me? Well, you only you ever to... need one Joe Huff. One Joe Huff's okay. enough. One Huff's enough. One Kevin's Huff's enough. just sense. Kevin Sorbo doesn't have enough hair on his ass to come after the Boz. It <laughs> would be a demolition. 
You, he was Hercules, not Samson. The length of his hair, ass or otherwise, I feel like is immaterial here. I feel like Xena could take him out. That's all I'm saying. Listen, oh, Xena would also are, kick his ass. The list mm-hmm. of people whose ass Xena could kick is long and distinguished. Well, all right, listener, we need to take a break here and freshen up our brews before we find our way to the competitive portion of the pod. Up next is our Brotherhood Trivia Challenge. But first, here's a message from our Roll Band Entertainment Biker Gang Brothers from Another Mother at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? I'm Boss Ross. And I'm the J-Man, and we're the Double Turn Podcast. Every Friday, we bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in pro wrestling, or bringing you a look back to some of the best matches and moments in history. We have it all for you. So check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And you can also give us a follow on Instagram at the Double Turn Podcast. And we will catch you on the flip side. Welcome back to Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Wobam Entertainment. We've been talking about 1991 Stone Cold, and now it's time for the Brotherhood Trivia Challenge. Let's get this thing started. Tonight, we've got the standard format, five questions, multiple choice, and tonight, you'll be playing for a screen-worn pair of the boss's bikini briefs. Yum! Tonight's chimes are clean up on aisle four, the whip is cracked, or any of the pod standards. Good luck, gentlemen. Clean up on aisle four. All righty, let's get into question number one. Joe feeds his pet lizard a smoothie, mostly full of foodstuffs not meant for a large lizard. Which of the on-screen ingredients was actually fit for a monitor lizard to eat? Was it A, the hot sauce, B, the orange juice, C, the potato chips, or D, the eggs? That's Captain Cash. I'm going to say eggs. Eggs would be correct. That was my guess, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the eggs would have been acceptable. Potato chips wouldn't have been the worst thing because potatoes are technically on the lizard's diet. But really? uh, fr- fried ones, you know, vegetable, vegetable matter would have yeah. been okay. But fried chips, not, not so much. But okay, that's one point for Captain Cash. We'll head on to question number two. This was not director Craig Baxley's first action movie featuring a former professional athlete. Who was the first pro jock to appear in one of his films? Was it A, Bo Jackson, B, Dennis Rodman, C, J. Bylas, or D, O.J. Simpson? Clean up on I-4. Aisle 4. Uh, that's Captain Cash again. Rodman. Give me the worm. Ah, that is incorrect. Oh. Thunder Swizzard, can you steal? Way too soon for the worm. Uh, if, that, if it's not the first. Uh, I'm going with O.J. That, that is incorrect. Really? Well, he was like mm-hmm. an actual actor, so... He was. The Jay Billis? Billis, Bilas, Billis, yeah. Yeah, Billis, he was uh, he was the good alien from I Come in Peace. Jay Billis? The mm-hmm. illustrator? Yeah. No shit. I knew it wasn't Bo, uh, but yeah, Rodman would have been like two years in the league 
if this is 91, like he was part of the bad boys pistons. I think he came to the league in like, yeah, this is way before he was a media presence. The way before he was uh yeah. crazy hair and the whole shtick essentially when I, he became the boss, which is what he did. Uh, yeah. He became a cartoon character. Yeah. I, and just for the record, I come in peace. It's going to be my recommendation because that's a fantastic sloppy nineties sci-fi action movie. Uh, okay. Well, what you go in pieces. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, still one point for Captain Cash as we head into question number three. Will Forsyth, aka Ice, had to balance his filming schedule between this film and which Steven Seagal movie? Was it A, Out for Justice, B, Out of Reach, C, Out for a Kill, or D, Out of Time? Clean up on aisle four. Oh, that's Thunder's Wizard. Out for justice. That is correct. Yeah, he plays, oh, a, man. He plays an Italian mobster. It, oh, and Seagal does an Italian accent. Let me tell you how that oh, goes. Oh, oh boy. Nicky. <laughs> He's God. Oh, hey, do we ever talk about how he shit his pants? <laughs> he like that choked, he got choked out and shit his pants, right? <laughs> yeah. Did I ever bring that up? <laughs> if I hadn't, now you're aware that Steven Seagal. <laughs> Got choked out and shit his pants. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, and that ties things up at one point apiece. As we go hurtling into question number four, Brian Bosworth is such a rebel. He sued the NFL to wear his college number in the pros. What was his number at Oklahoma? Was it A, 40? Was it B, 44? Was it C, 45? Or D, 55? Clean up on aisle 44. This is a give me for the Thunderous Wizard. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, it's 44. It's 44. Yeah. His, Which is funny because he could wear it now. The league is yeah, expanded. His professional the, the number, number was 55. As you know, Chumpzilla, I had a custom made Seahawks Brian Bosworth jersey as yep. well. I as did a, not know that about you. As a Maroon I've seen it. sweatsuit with the Oklahoma stitched 44 Brian Bosworth jersey. Yep. Yeah, you also had a uh, you also had a Adrian Peterson jersey, uh, if I, I did, recall yeah. correctly. Yeah. yeah, so that was a gimme. All right, well, that gives the Thunderous Wizard two points and a lead as we head into question number five. Which military academy borrowed the "God forgives" the Brotherhood doesn't slogan before dropping it once they learned of its white supremacist roots? Was it a the Naval Academy? Was it B, the Air Force, C, the Coast Guard, or D, the Army? Ooh, mm. Uh, mm, clean up on aisle four. All right. What's that you got there, T-Dubs? It feels like the only one of these institutions stupid enough to have done this, not knowing where it came from, would be the Coast Guard. Oof, that would be incorrect. <laughs> You've got a chance to tie here. Captain Cash, what you got? The Navy, it, the Air Force, or the Army? I I want the front half of the mankini if I get this right. Okay. Um, I am gonna say Air Force. Mm, that would be incorrect. It's, it's it was a, the Army. Army uh, ah, West Point. See, West Point. Uh, it felt it felt too obvious to be Army. Well, back to you know it, it, to. The Thunderous Wizard's point about stupidity here. There were no crayon-eating Marines involved, but 
uh, yeah, apparently the army is like, yeah, you know, the brotherhood. And then like, hey guys, you know, it's like a Nazi thing. I'm like, really? What? Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Generally, mistakes Oops. that stupid are only Oops. made by Vince McMahon, who legitimately made a Japanese character that was supposed to be the, the uh, son or the descendant of Hirohito and literally just named a German wrestler after a Nazi submarine by, by captain. Or, 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 wait, 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 we've done this on the pod. Who was the final solution? Oh, that, okay. So that was uh, Bane. Bane's Bane. wrestling nickname, Bane from Batman and Robin, was mm-hmm. introduced Mr. on Monday Nitro as the final solution. And quickly they had to retcon that at the pay per view. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oops. But you can anyway. find that online, the final solution. This guy, the final solution. It's like, yikes. Ooh. <laughs> but, uh, all right. All the, the Nazi euphemisms aside, uh, I believe you did win there, T Dub. So congratulations. You've got yourself a screen worn mankini headed your direction. Congratulations. Oh, I could never fill out the Baza's mankini. <laughs> I wish I could too, but you will try. You will try. I'll give it my. I'll give it my damnedest. That's for sure. That's for sure. I would just like to say, folks, because this is radio and you can't see it, but uh, you know, Captain Cash has a fantastic-looking feline specimen sitting in his lap right now. My cat sees something on the wall that I can't see. I kind of have to assume that there are Wait a minute. Is, is that a monitor lizard in your pocket or you just happen to see? <laughs> what, kind, what kind of smoothies are you feeding that thing? Mostly Snickers. Lots of, lots of Snickers. That's a handsome cat. But anyway, um, let's get into recommendations. Uh, I'm going to jump off here since I already hinted at mine during the, the trivia here. I'm going to recommend watching Baxley's uh, funky sci-fi Predator Terminator ripoff, I Come in Peace. It, it's got just enough weird sci-fi gimmicks to make it enjoyable for like a 90s like B-movie. Um, and it's also free on Tubi, so you have no excuse not to check it out. So check it out, I Come in Peace or Dark Angel. I think that's like the international title. Uh, on Tubi, it's 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 a it's a fun weird sci-fi. Movie. Of, of course, you'd pump the service that you're affiliated with. Uh, yeah, they get that. <laughs> what Tubi kind of in. kickbacks are you getting from Tubi? You know, it's just it's a quality service. That's all I'm saying. It's a quality streaming option for great content. Did they kidnap one or more of your parents? Blink blink twice for yes, once for no. Maybe. What, what do you got that for us, T-Dubs? I come in pieces so 90s that Brian Ben-Ben is in it. So, so there yeah. you go. Uh, my recommendation, because Lance Henriksen owns this movie, is 1995, 95's Hard Target, which was John Woo's mm. first American action movie. Yeah. Stars Jean-Claude Van Damme as... Again, guess what? Mullet time, ladies and gentlemen. He's got a sick mullet in this. Also rides a motorcycle at one point as a as a French guy living in Louisiana who comes to the aid of a uh, woman whose father has been murdered because Lance Henriksen runs an illegal human hunting ring. It is fantastic. Van Damme punches a snake. That's all you need to know. Also, watch Bret Hart wrestle Tom McGee. Bret Hart, truly the excellence of execution, makes the guy look like a million bucks. That's on Peacock. I'll try and post the match to the social, but it's a clinic of carrying a guy who's not very good. 
amazing stuff. So that's, those are my recommendations. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Captain cash. What you got for us? Speaking of men that are probably not super great and definitely wear mankinis around. I've caught the first three episode of Pam and Tommy Lee uh, starring the winter soldier as Tommy Lee and Rose from cousin Rose from Downton Abbey. I, I can't Rose remember. The hat. Rose the hat. Uh, she's I, in baby I driver. Wish, sir. Uh, her name Lily. Lily. It is cousin. Rose is Lily. James. James. Is that right? That sounds right. Yes. Uh, Lily James. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Pam and Tommy, Lily James. It also fa- prominently features Seth Rogen. Uh, and uh, what's his name? Nick Offerman. Thank you, Nick Offerman. Yeah, I, I was doing Ron Swanson, but it, no, it's uh, so far it's been really entertaining, and it kind of hits me in the no- the '90s nostalgia feels. Oh, really? um, it, uh, it's kind of interesting because so far no one's unambiguously good. They're all sort of shades of bastard, with maybe the exception being Pam Anderson, who really does seem like she's the victim in this. Yeah, and she got totally shamed for it, as as I recall. Yeah, um, so but uh, more like the winter smolder, am I right? I just think it's hilarious because <laughs> Sebastian Stan. Like I know we talked about, like it's got to be fun to just like cut loose and be the bad guy. I have to imagine after six, seven movies of like Sebastian Stan receiving the direction of, look, we need you to be stoic more yeah. stoic like seven times less emotion than that St- sebastian well he'd just be like go go crazy there is yeah. no ceiling as wild as you want to go this is literally tommy lee he did get to uh sort of sort of practice for this is jeff galuli tanya harding's ex-husband who hired the mm. uh the, guy, the knee whacker guy yeah the goon squad <laughs> yeah. so yeah but i mean honestly because I'm, I'm i'm no expert here what has sebastian stan done before captain america like, oh what? yeah i don't know i'm not i mean I'm just, he didn't have a huge career right so like yeah he's been playing bucky slash the winter soldier now for like a decade and that character does not have a ton of range even in the falcon and the winter soldier he didn't get really get the breakout a whole lot. He got some room there, but yeah, he hasn't really been able to like, you know, go nuts. And Hey, it's a travesty. I don't know what you're doing. Disney. Why is he not young Luke Skywalker? That would be pretty uh, great. It's, yeah. It's, 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 it's this... not even, it's not even like a fan casting, like jerk off thing. It's like, it's le- legitimately like, no, no. no, like that looks like young Mark Hamill. Use him. No, are you fucking insane? People would lose their minds. You're saying something very true because instead we have a CGI nightmare, Mark Hamill, with a robot voice, which is fine. I I thought it's not. It's fine. It's not fine. It's fine. fine fine, You you know what would be better? You know what would be better? Uh, Sebastian Stan would be better. That's what you you know would be better. An actual human. You know what would be better than evil robot Mark Hamill? The the Boz well, actually, playing Luke Skywalker. Any human playing Luke Skywalker is better than friggin' robot repeater Mark Hamill. Like fucking meta metaverse Mark Hamill. I would just like to very briefly come to Sebastian Stan's defense. He's been in a lot of stuff other than Winter Soldier. He was in Once Upon a Time. He was in uh, Gossip Girl. He was in Hot what? Tub Time Machine. What? Okay, uh, so I've once- seen that. Once Hot Tub Time Machine was good. That was so was Crispin Glover. Yeah, 
Hot Tub Time Machine. But once upon a time, I'm going to forget you ever told me he was in that. Thank you. Listen, I had to IMDb it. Apparently, he was the Mad Hatter. I'm here all week. (laughs) Okay. I'm a little shocked by that. That would have been my first guess. I'll invite you to tea. We'll have tea, and then we'll we'll take over some small European country with my robot arm. Anyway, all right. Well, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Ops and B.O. Flops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. Captain Cash is at C-A-P-T-C-A-S-H on most of your social medias. And the Thunderous Wizard can be found on Twitter at WriterTLK. And don't forget our absent member tonight, Mary McCheese, can be found at HBOF McCheese on Twitter. And please check out Wobam Entertainment at WobamEntertainment.com. If you enjoy the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And connect with us on social media to share ideas for future episodes. And you know what? It's moments like this that I think of my father's last words, which were, Don't, son. That gun is loaded. (laughs) Oh. Ah. Take care, everybody.